Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss the next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, sock em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts. John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it great to be with you? Is it great to be with you? It is Monday, July 22nd, episode 210 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Ken Flo hanging on with that New Hampshire Wi-Fi. Is that where you are up there in the great white north? Uh, I am, man. Uh, Hopefully you can hear me. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Well, kind of. I'm in New Hampshire, but uh, it's been great to be here, man. My sister got married and uh, spending time with some family. Great. Congratulations to it's Kara, right? Correct. You have a good yeah. memory. Don't call it Cara. Don't call her Cara. That's right. Well, congratulations to Cara. Probably my favorite Florian sibling. I got a soft spot for, for Keith, obviously. I like Edgar. Um, <laughs> but uh, you were also doing some jujitsu stuff up there with uh, a couple of guys I know, Devin Powell's guys. Uh, yes. Did a jujitsu seminar there. Is that right, Port City? I- that is right. I went to Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu up in Portsmouth, beautiful area. Uh, did a fun seminar. Devin Powell was there and a, a bunch of old guys that I used to train with, uh, a bunch of black belts from back in the day in Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So awesome to see some uh, old friends and faces and uh, had a great time, dude. Good stuff. Well, uh, that's good. Those are good people there. I forget when I met them on the course of this UFC roadshow, but I met yes. them several years ago. So, uh, so Ken Flo's the best handicapper in mixed martial arts, folks. And it, that doesn't mean he doesn't necessarily, and don't at me, right? Like, don't at me and say he isn't. Uh, or at least you better throw something at me that is of substance when it comes to these mixed martial arts handicappers. And he'll brush this off just like he does all praise. He doesn't even watch as much film as these other guys because he has a child and a jujitsu gym and a lot of different irons in the fire. But a uh, huge weekend for you, obviously, Leon Edwards by decision, Walt Harris by TKO. Uh, you got a good feel for the board right now. Will you at least admit that? 
Yeah, listen, I, I think uh, some of these matchups were, were interesting. I got some things going my way. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we will get into it in regards to Leon Edwards. But uh, this is, in my opinion, the most underrated fighter in the UFC right now. Well, it's interesting because it's it's hard to sort of let the win marinate, of course, when we're in a stretch of nine UFC live events in as many weekends, right? Because for me, at least this morning, I'm doing UFC 240 voiceovers and mm. And spinning this result forward, too, in terms of who is going to be next for Leon Edwards, but can we at least appreciate the performance? I think, as Dominic Cruz alluded to on the broadcast, this was a near flawless, flawlessly executed game plan and fight night by Leon Edwards. He grappled early on, gave Rafael Dos Anjos a lot to think about, had to think about that cut. I mean, RDA knew it was pretty bad, and Rob Monroe did a great job with it, but he gave RDA a lot to think about early, and in my mind, Cruz to a unanimous decision win. And listen, when you hear a smart fighter like a Dominic Cruz uh, give praise to Leon Edwards for his strategy, you know you're doing something right. And I think Leon Edwards was just masterful out there. And let's put this into context. He didn't just beat any 170-pounder out there. He's got a lot of momentum coming into this fight. But this was a master class against a former champion at 155 pounds, a guy who was very close uh, to potentially winning the belt at 170 pounds as well in Rafael Dos Anjos. This is a very experienced and and clean fighter. Uh, and Leon Edwards just was at a different level. This is a highly educated fighter in Leon Edwards who has improved leaps and bounds since his debut in the UFC. It's just it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to watch. This guy was just always in control. He was super technical. Um, it looked a lot bigger uh, than Rafael Dos Anjos out there. He's going to be very difficult to stop. I'm telling you right now, this is a guy who could be a champion in that division. I think he's that good. He's a big game player too, right? Intangibly, this setting, this showcase, he hadn't fought very much in the United States. Uh, Nerves, not at all an issue. Great resting heart rate for, for Leon Rocky Edwards. And I really feel like he has the potential, to your point, to cause a lot of problems. You know, there are a lot of big fights, obviously, in this welterweight division. I think there are a few things working against him, namely Jorge Masvidal, right, and mm. potentially Colby, Colby Covington if he gets by Robbie Lawler this weekend. Um, but Leon Edwards has certainly put himself into the top five and, and created a championship path. And one thing that I thought was kind of cool, you know, his rallying cry, Ken Flo, you may have seen during fight week was – you don't have to leave the United Kingdom to be a UFC champion. And, of course, Michael Bisping was the first guy to break through. And whether it's circumstantial or not, he did it as a Los Angeles-based fighter. Yes. Darren Till nearly broke through, obviously, as a UK-based fighter. But Leon Edwards has had people in his ear, as many British fighters have for their entire career, saying you got to go to the United States, you got to go to Orange County, you got to go to Rafael Cordero, whatever it is, if you want to be a UFC champion. And he came to the U.S., decided that wasn't for him. And you're right. He's listening to good coaches in all different disciplines, executing what they want, has a tremendous work ethic. He's focused on being a UFC champion. He's on the right side of 30. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do, but I love this whole UK rallying cry that he can actually break through and and not be the first British UFC champion, obviously, but be the first one, I think, to to live and train at home and get that job done. He, he just might be right. First of all, you, you look at his performance and everything that he was doing. Really, he was firing on all, all cylinders. Um, I, I think there was a time where he kind of got tripped up by a leg kick by Rafael Dos Anjos. But right. besides that, he out-wrestled Rafael Dos Anjos. I mean, that first takedown was so clean. It was a beautiful body lock. Uh, I think it threw off Rafael Dos Anjos to start that fight. I thought it was brilliant. Right. Uh, 
as far as a tactic uh, to start that fight. He's going to struggle against some of the elite wrestlers, but so is anybody in that division, whether you're right. from the United States or not. So I think that Leon Edwards is right. He is looking phenomenal. He has only improved. Uh, he's only continued to improve in every single fight. Um, and I, I think you might be right about that. I don't think he needs to go to the United States necessarily and stay there uh, to become a better fighter. One thing Dan Hardy pointed out in, I think, his podcast called The War Room was how slender the waist is on Leon Edwards, right? So if Rafael Dos Anjos was able to get a body triangle, it's easy guys. It's easy for guys in theory to maintain that body triangle because he is so small down there, you know? Mm -hmm. But I thought he showed tremendous strength in these grappling situations. And, dude, yes. to go back-to-back -back Gunnar Nelson and Rafael Dos Anjos, you know? I mean, look at this Leon Edwards resume. So it's eight consecutive wins. There is obviously some steam for the Masvidal fight, given what happened backstage in London in March. But as we said a couple weeks ago, Jorge Masvidal seems almost impossible to deny a championship opportunity right now with the Darren Till knockout and then the five-second record-breaking knockout of Ben Askren. You, of course, have Colby Covington, the former interim champion, who still hasn't lost since getting that interim belt. So if he beats Robbie Lawler, Masvidal has said, even though he and Covington aren't as close as they used to be, that he would clear the path for Colby. So if you're Leon Edwards, you're certainly rooting for Robbie Lawler uh, in about 12 days you want Colby Covington out of the picture the way Ben Askren is now out of the picture. But what do you think is going to be next for Leon Edwards? I mean, certainly he could try to idle a little bit and see if the division clears for him. A lot of people talk about Santiago Ponzinibbio, who is number eight in the world, and I think riding a seven-fight welterweight winning streak. I love that fight tactically, stylistically. I think it's a main event type fight, and it could be a clear title eliminator, I guess, for Leon but would you agree that there's a little bit of a logjam and, and it's going to be hard for him to get that rematch with Kamar Usman as, as his next fight? Uh, I do agree with you. I also agree with you on, on those options. You, you, you're way ahead of me, dude. I mean, um, I got to say the, the Santiago Ponzinibbio fight is a great fight. I don't know if that's my first option. If I'm the UFC, I'm looking at one option and one option only, and that's the Jorge Masvidal. I mean, yeah. listen, the, the, the promo's already set. You, you got the you got the whole video. It, it's a perfect scenario, um, and you know the WWE could only do better than, right, than, than right. setting that up. And, and that and the beef is real. Uh, that that beef is real. That's the thing is that Jorge Masvidal, um, you know, felt disrespected. Uh, Leon Edwards was you know yapping his mouth, and um, you know, and, and Leon Edwards is the kind of guy who is very respectful under normal circumstances. He doesn't like Jorge Masvidal. He was, right. you know, getting in his face. Masvidal uh, decided to, to piece him up, uh, and uh, you, you got your promo right there. I think there's a lot of bad blood there. Those are two fantastic fighters, two very technical fighters who, had a, who have a lot of momentum right now. I would hate to see one of those guys lose, but I think that's the fight. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mind the Colby Covington fight either if Masvidal does uh, kind of jump the line. I don't know how it seemed like Dana White is kind of lukewarm to the idea of Masvidal getting that next title shot. But who knows? Things change all the time uh, with him and, and the UFC. So um, I, I think those, those are the three great options for Leon Edwards. I do think if Colby Covington beats Robbie Lawler, it will provide a lot of clarity for the division because I mm -hmm. think November... Madison Square Garden, they would do Covington and Usman. Uh, yep. And I don't think Jorge Masvidal and his management would have any issue with that. I think the real issue, and you're right, it would be a shame to not capitalize on that Masvidal-Edwards heat, but Leon came in number 12 in the world, and even though now he takes Rafael Dos Anjos' spot in the top five, 
I just think for Masvidal Kenflo, he's coming up on 50 pro MMA fights. He's undefeated in the streets. He just produced the fastest knockout in UFC history, and it came after he knocked out Darren Till, a former world title challenger. I just think unless it's far and away the biggest payday of George Masvidal's career, I just don't think that he is going to have the appetite for, for the Leon Edwards fight. I just don't don't see it but uh you're not wrong you're not uh, wrong um i i think you know if they could put together the right amount of money and and just based on what masvidal has done uh he could headline a, a main event you know for, right. for a fight night or, or perhaps be on an undercard of a, of a big pay-per-view where maybe he could slip in there if there's an injury that happens but um, a lot of interesting options for him, and and I agree. I, I think he's in for a. He wants a big fight and a big fight only. Um, you know, the, the UFC would have to make it a little juicier by uh, adding some money to the to the well, equation there. Yeah, well, we'll revisit it Monday, August fifth, after the Covington Lawler fight. Uh, but a lot of good options, obviously, in this UFC welterweight division. And we're going to get to Longo here in about sixty seconds. But on the other side of this, Rafael dos Anjos, Kenny. You know, Dana White called him when he was in Utah about six weeks ago. He said, I need a main event in San Antonio. And, and Dos Anjos, the consummate company guy, was happy to, to sign on the dotted line, even though he had just gone four rounds with Kevin Lee in a main event on May 18th. I don't know if it was RDA biting off more than he can chew or if it was just Dos Anjos running into the better man. Uh, but this will sort of table his welterweight contention, at least for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, and, and listen, we kind of talked about this. This was a very tough situation for RDA um, because, again, even if he had beaten Leon Edwards, he would still be, I don't know, maybe at the end of the line of of contenders as far right. as you know, getting that next shot. It would still, he'd probably still be uh, two, at least maybe three fights away from fighting for the belt if he got two or three big wins. So right. he was in a tough spot here against Leon Edwards, and it, and it was a tough matchup for him. Leon Edwards just a little bit cleaner everywhere, a little bit bigger of a fighter. Uh, Dos Anjos is an absolute legend, but I didn't love this matchup for him in the circumstances surrounding it, it being right. kind of on late notice. And uh, for Dos Anjos, he's going to have to reset. I, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't think it's possible for him to go back to 155 pounds, but he's going to have to work his way back up and, and maybe find himself to try to get himself on, on some main events for some UFC fight nights and, uh, and hang in there because he is a big name. He's a fantastic yeah. fighter and he's a guy that the UFC can always rely on Dude, nine UFC main events for Dos Anjos. Unreal. Nine headliners, 10, five round fights for Dos Anjos fringe hall of famer i mean i think he's in you know everybody knows that i have a very open ballot but former ufc lightweight champion defended at 18 ufc wins uh and i think when it's all said and done uh he's going to be very high on a lot of very relevant lists and by the way they've done the ufc rankings 241 weeks since it started and credit to ufc producer mike ricci for this 241 times the rankings have come out now 242, I guess, today on Monday. And RDA at either 55 or 70, his, he has been ranked every single week. So uh, perennial threat doesn't even begin yes. to describe it when it comes to Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, all right, Ray Longo is sweating his ass off. There's a heat wave in New York. Let's get to the Ray Longo match. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. So the great Ray Longo now joins us, and word on the street in Garden City, New York, is that we almost lost Ray Longo last night. There was a heat wave in New York, and Ray was pushing sleds and sparring last night 
and he nearly succumbed. We are happy to report he was tanning this morning, and he is good to go here on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I lost my, the whole weekend. I just went right through the heat wave. I think I listened to that David Coggins too much, man. I don't know. I just went berserk <laughs> over the what weekend. Are you trying but to I, do? Do, I, will, I will say this. I was waiting till like 6, 7 o'clock at night, but it, the gym was still had to be 95, 100 degrees. It was oh, insanity, man. but... I get my electrolytes in me, Kenny. I'm ready to go. Well, are, you need tra- you, Ray. are you training for a movie or just to look good or for your podcast? What are you training for? No, just uh, good health. That's all I want. Good. I want to just keep on pushing, pushing I, the limits. I heard Sports Illustrated was doing a men's edition of the, of the <laughs> swimsuit, and you're a, a possible candidate. Is that true, Ray? That would be uh, that would be a life ruiner. Yeah, that would be no good. <laughs> yeah. The right. answer is okay. a def- definite no. Be, All right, the, the body start, issue start is it life. the body is it the body issue for ESPN oh. magazine? Is that oh oh even worse of a scar? Okay. All right. <laughs> Are you uh, you're still eating clean though, Ray? Uh, I'm eating pretty clean. Yeah, but uh, this summer I've been uh, a little snacking a little bit, but uh, but for the most part, ninety percent of the time, ninety percent yeah, I'm still eating clean. Eat clean, bro. I still. Oh, uh, there you go. Nice plug yeah. for Frankie yeah. Edgar's guy. Yeah, that's it. Let me let me get that in there. They've been really great with everybody in the gym, and uh, the stuff is unbelievable. And they do what they deliver, so it's a, it's a, it's a godsend for me. So two years ago, we were at the Nassau Coliseum. It was Chris Weidman's, in my mind, most inspirational win against Kelvin Gastelum. Two years flies off the clock pretty quickly. Remember that night, Ray? I don't remember that, not like it was yesterday, but I cannot yeah. believe it's two years ago. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Two years ago to the day today. And uh, hoping we'll see Wyman pretty soon. The last fight was, was November against Jacare Souza, but got to think he gets at least one in before the end of the year. Right, Ray? I mean, they're looking uh, right now. The word on the street is something we're hoping for, like Boston, maybe on the Boston card or. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere in October, if there's a fight, I'm not, I'm not sure where it'll be, but uh, okay. I think there've been a couple of things mentioned uh, under the table. But uh, hopefully, that'll be uh, good for you guys if it does happen. If there is a Boston card and it's planned, yeah, uh, I expect you to both you guys to be front and center. We'll be your, there, but I don't know that. I don't Boston, know that with your Boston Red Sox hats on. That's yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know that we need. I mean, hopefully Wyman's like the co-man. We don't need a New Yorker headlining the Boston show. Yeah, that's, that's, like that's, just, that's just disrespectful, I, right, Ken Flo? I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to come out with a Yankees jersey with the number three on it. Do it. That's do what it. I want. Do it. I will put my headset down and do something inappropriate. <laughs> We really, I, I'm not I'm even trying to be funny. We don't need a New Yorker headlining the Boston show. That's not even funny. We got to move on, though. Uh, <laughs> Leon Edwards. How about Leon Edwards, right? I mean, is this the best fighter that many people have not heard of, right? Eight straight at 170 pounds? Yeah, really crazy. It was a good, nice coming out party for Leon Edwards. I don't know about coming out party, but I mean, definitely right. against, uh, uh, well, I mean, he did have the Cerrone fight. No, he, that was a good fight, man. I'm sorry, this is no joke. He stayed, you know, relaxed, poised. Uh, I think that the decision to take down Dos Anjos in the first round was a possible game changer. Uh, I think he explained that even after the fight, that if he had a fight from coming behind, it would make a difference. And uh, it looked like they, uh, Look, I think Leon Edwards took that fight like that was a title fight and that that's the way they should have took taken it. 
and he certainly handled it like it was. And yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it. Not, not taking, yeah, not taking anything away from Osanios, but uh, what a great performance and a relaxed, poised, well thought out performance. And Ray, you know, it, it seemed like Juan Adams was uh, poised to. I don't know, play the hero, I guess you could say, uh, against Greg Hardy. You know, people, uh, you know, still aren't sure about Greg Hardy. I'm still not sure about Greg Hardy after that last performance, but uh, he did get the win, and he looked pretty dominant against Juan Adams. Uh, what do you think of Greg Hardy's performance? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm just, you know, everything seems to be a little, you know, blurred by some sort of controversy all the yeah. time. So I'm not really sure, but... You know, he's definitely a big athletic guy, and he is surrounded by really good people. Dean Thomas is awesome. Mm-hmm. That 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 guy, Steve Marco, is not a joke. He was a stud wrestler out on uh, from Jersey. Yep. He's a, I only met him, like, I think once, but he's a no-nonsense guy. Great dude. But he, he's got some good people around him. So if he's receptive to learning and he's athletic and he's obviously, you know, a big, strong guy, I think he, he, he could be a potential problem. But uh, as of right now, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just everything seems weird to me for some reason. But, like, again, he is surrounded by good people, and I think if they keep, you know, just bumping him up a little bit and give him time to grow, you never know. You know, you never know. He is, a, he is an athletic guy, so we'll see what happens. But, and uh, I just, just I'm, I'm with you. I just wasn't sold yet, but that right. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, he looks to me like a guy that is at least 18 to 24 months away from having anything for anybody in that top 10 at heavyweight. I think there's a lot of work still to be done. He is surrounded by good people, to your point, Ray. He is living at the American top team dorms and seemingly devoting himself to to wrestling under Steve Mako and to improving all of these skills. Um, but he's certainly not going to, uh, going to be a fan favorite anytime soon. And, and I noticed for me on the broadcast, Ray, when I call his fights, you know, I got a lot of heat and hate after the fact and, and tweets like, man, how do you live with yourself? You have daughters and things like that. And, um, I don't know exactly what people are looking for from Greg at this point in time. I mean, I think people would like him to maybe, you know, be a little bit remorseful or I don't know. I mean, I, I going by the way he judges our crew, he has been super gracious and he has handled all of these opportunities and these people with a lot of class. But it seems like for me, every time I call one of his fights, people want me to open by retelling his domestic violence history right out of the shoot. And, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on the fighter now that he's fought three times in 2019 and people don't like that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, look, we live in a society, obviously, with you know, you commit a crime and you do your time, everything should be all right. Everybody needs a second chance. He doesn't look like the type of guy that's, you know, embracing trying to make fans (laughs) be popular with the fans. But, you know, look, there's always consequences for your actions. And like, you're part of the collateral damage now. You have to hear this stuff. And even what you just said, that's a harsh thing because I have daughters too. So, uh, man, it would be nice if he just got maybe, uh, you know, some advice on maybe changing his image a little bit, if that's what he wants, or he wants to embrace being the heel. But this isn't like, you know, this isn't pro wrestling. This is real. And that's where the problem comes in. You know, uh, people, I think people have every right to to voice their opinion like that, because that's, that's one of those things like, you know, you could, uh, I I, I don't know. I I just, he, he looks like he's embracing, 
being not a good guy. And I don't know if that's the case because you say, look, sometimes you right. can only judge people on the way they treat you. And if he's treating you good. Well, uh, you know, right. I don't no, know. I think you're right yeah. that maybe he's embracing being a heel a little bit. But I think he just knows that he's not going to be able to change the popular opinion. And if he is, it's going to take him a lot of time. And, and in the eyes of most fans, or at least a, a lot of fans, uh, they're never going to give this guy a shake whatsoever. But, you know, at least from a personal standpoint, Kenny, it feels like people think that I'm the one who signed him to the contract. And for me, I'm focused on this fighter. What extent to what extent has he evolved? Uh, and this fight right. didn't give us a ton of stuff. Right. I mean, he, obviously, wrestling yeah. defense is a huge part of what he's doing every day. Stuff the early shot pounded Juan Adams out from there. You know, um, Kenny, I yeah. mean, what do you uh, think uh, about? Uh, Go ahead. Right. Not for nothing. I mean, listen, man, you Everybody knows that you're a good dude and what your opinion is on it. But again, you didn't sign the guy. You just have to call the fight. You know, I mean, that's what you paid to do. Well, Kenny, uh, when, when, when yeah, go ahead. Well, when 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 Greg Hardy starts dancing after he wins the biggest fight of his mixed martial arts career, Kenny, like I want your thoughts on this. He yeah. was a successful NFL Pro Bowl defensive lineman. Uh, 2013 had a huge year. He's an absolute competitor, right? Greg Hardy, he loves to compete. That's why he's doing this MMA thing. But it's almost like because he has a past of domestic violence, he can't now celebrate a UFC win. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's still a professional athlete who went out and beat a guy who a lot of people thought was going to beat him. And it's like, well, because you have this history, you can't celebrate now. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't no, know. and, and uh, listen, and I think you're right. Uh, if what he did was legit, it, it's a horrible thing, right? But at the same time, I, I do think that people can come back and should be able to um, redeem themselves. And it, it's going to take some time. And, and if you see someone who's accused of those things and there's already a lot of hate on that person, people are going to look for any little thing. If he stepped on an ant, people would be all over this guy. I mean, right. Just based on his past and based on what people already think about him. So it's a tough thing. The same thing with what's going on with John Jones and, you know, anything that comes up, you know, people are going to look to kind of shoot this guy down any, any chance they can. And, um, I'm not sure it's fair, especially when there, there's so much that needs to be proven and, it's a tough situation, man. It, it really is. And uh, I hope he is able to redeem himself, you know, based on the interviews, based on the things that, you know, it seems like he comes across, uh, you know, pretty well. Um, it's going to take some time. It really is. It's going to take some time both for him to prove himself as a mixed martial artist, and it's going to take time for him to prove himself as a man. Yeah, I think that's pretty well put. And I, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, but I do think he could get some, you know, uh, you know, media campaigning to help him in that direction. And yep. that, that's what I was saying. Like, even after the fight, I think there maybe was a, a better way to handle it. And, you know, you don't always have to jump around after a win, you know what yep. I mean? And go, you know, right. go crazy. You could just say, you know, thanks for the competition. And I'm, I look right. forward to just, you know, getting better. And you right. know, there's other ways to that, do it also that I think would help his cause. Yeah. So that, that's what right. I'm saying is deeply. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Ray, I, I agree. I agree with you, is especially given the circumstances. He's got to be a little bit more aware of those things, I think. But at the same time, you know, you look at his end. Th- there's people that are bringing it up. You have Juan Adams who says he's going to destroy him. There's a lot of pressure on Greg Hardy too. So, yeah. you know, I, I think 
that he's feeling that. He also, you know, has a lot of uh, spite and anger thrown his way every single time out. And people also doubting his ability to become successful as a mixed martial artist. So I see both sides and it's a tough yeah. thing to deal with. And people are going to hate on you no matter what. You could be Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa had haters too. So <laughs> you, 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 you put it, you know, you, you put Greg Hardy in those shoes. It's going to be that much tougher for him to really come across well in the, in the eyes of a lot of the mixed martial arts fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, again, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I think everybody deserves a second chance. And some of those, like some of the things, I, I really don't know enough about it, but I mean, like yeah. those, those situations and relationships and it, they're tough, man. So you could, yeah. you could, you could make a really bad split decision, uh, on just going south on that, but I think anybody who's been in a relationship, who's been in an argument, sometimes you're punching a wall. Something, you know, it's it's tough, man. So, uh, like again, I don't know enough about it, but nobody should be hitting anybody. That's for damn sure. Yeah, especially not a guy in, in, against a girl. And again, if it was your daughter, if it was my daughter, we, I, I'd end up killing the guy. 100%. You know what I mean? So he's got a lot to overcome, but you know. There's two sides to every story, I guess. And uh, again, I'm not, I'm not really that, you know, uh, entrenched in it. But uh, I just, what I'm seeing right now is a guy that looks like he's embracing, you know, being the heel a little bit. And I right. think it would serve him better to go the other way. Right. And I agree, given the backdrop that maybe a little bit more humility after a win like this might have served him well with fans, but it's not like his primary goal is to win in the court of public opinion. Like he don't give a shit, right? It's like he, he's living in the dorms instead of making $30 million in the NFL. So as far as he sees it, right, he he's putting in all this time. This guy basically tried to, you know, ruin him verbally, hates him, wants to just pound his head through the canvas. He beats the guy in 45 seconds. You finally get to exhale. Sometimes it's hard to just be the, the consummate sportsman. But your point is well taken, all of them, and, and yours too, Kenny. And I would say if anybody has feedback, broadcast feedback specifically, as to how you would like us to handle Greg Hardy on a fight-in and fight-out basis, at John underscore Anik on Twitter, we'll take it. I appreciate the back and forth, but I just it's very interesting for me getting off the air after a Greg Hardy fight, especially when it's quick and there isn't all this real estate for me to tell a bunch of stories. Um and people still want me to just hammer this guy every single time he's in the octagon. Um, unless I get that directive, it's just not necessarily going to happen. All right, Ray, you got anything else before we uh, we let you fly, my man? I think that's it. I'm getting ready to go out and grill some steaks. That's oh, it. I'm, what a, I'm what a life. What a life. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, anyway. uh, have, a, uh, have a great weekend. Max Holloway or Frankie Edgar for the record? Oh, man. I mean, I could never go against uh, an East Coast guy, Frankie. I, I think he uh, somehow finds a way to get this done. I hope he has no injuries, and uh, it's going to be a great fight. All right, my man. We'll see if Frankie Edgar can get uh, it done this weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Oh, and I actually, and I, and I didn't mention, I actually got one right this week. I picked that. You did <laughs> pick Leon a, Edwards. It's almost, it's almost a freaking miracle, Kenny, I tell you. You got it, baby. <laughs> I know, and here I, I am not giving I you credit. I'm sure I put the horns on that poor guy. Holy crow. <laughs> that, 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 a new that, lease on life. Yeah, that gets you over easy, 500. Man. All right, there he is, Ray Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. I was actually thinking of doing a tattoo bet today. You know Frankie Edgar, right, and the, and the element for Iron Kenny is F lowercase e, right? F -E. Yes. 
So I was thinking that tile or whatever, that F.E. would make a cool tattoo. And because Frankie Edgar is such a huge underdog this weekend, plus 300 or so, I was thinking about maybe doing a tattoo bet on the Anakin Florian podcast today that if Frankie Edgar wins, I would go with that F.E. element up here in the same place Ken Flo's got his tattoo on the inner upper arm. That'd be sick. Um, but I don't know if we're going to do it. I don't know if we're going to do okay. it. I don't know if All I'm right. ready to commit just yet. Game bread tattoo might be coming later this year. And I, you know, I can't just look like an <laughs> MMA puzzle, you know? Um, <laughs> all right. So a couple other things on San Antonio and then time permitting, we will get to a pronunciation of the week before we get to the UFC 240 selections. Walt, the big ticket Harris. This was big for him. Kenny unbeaten in his last four third fastest knockout in UFC heavyweight history as he gets Alexio Olenek out of there. Walt Harris, 36 years old. If he is going to make a title run, it has to be now. I think he might have the fastest hands in the UFC's heavyweight division. Certainly has a lot of power. One of the better athletes, if not the best athlete, I think, in this division. You should see him on a basketball court. Um, Your thoughts on Walt Harris, if you saw the fight, and ultimately how high you think his heavyweight ceiling is. I I did see the fight. It did not last very long. Um, I I do agree that he has a lot of potential as a striker and is showing it. Uh, and has always shown go- those kind of flashes of brilliance. And um, when he's loose, when he's focused, man, he is a big time problem. I think the 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 one weakness with Walt Harris, of course, is is, is his ability to kind of be effective on the ground. And I know he's been working very hard on his wrestling and on his grappling skill. Um, and if he's able to get that up to a certain level to be able to deal with, you know, the Stipe Miacic's and the Daniel Cormier's to at least, you know, stop a lot of those takedown attempts. He has the ability to knock out anyone in that division. This was a big win for him and a guy in Alexia Linick who has submitted a lot of guys and who has come in as an underdog uh, and defeated a lot of those guys. So this was a, a great win for him. It was a brutal knockout. And uh, congrats to Wal Harris, who also is just a great guy. He really is. And a great family man and a guy who's had a lot of weird circumstances, as we outlined on the show last week in the UFC. I think he started one and four, you know, had the tainted supplement suspension, and that was reduced to just four months. Fabricio Verdum fight came together on the day of the fight. Right. So instead of fighting a guy he was favored to beat, he fights Verdum literally on like four to six hours notice, which, you know, ended up not being ideal in the long run. But, yeah, you got to feel good for for Walt Harris. And he doesn't seem to be in any rush. He's talking contention in 2020. I think this sets him up for a fight against somebody in the top 15. Uh, I believe Olenek was actually a ranked uh, ranked higher than he was, maybe even top 10. So uh, congratulations to Walt Harris. Got the accompanying $50,000 bonus. Uh, Dan Hooker obviously back in a big way. And I think for James Vick, uh, this is really difficult. He had never lost two in a row, and now it's three. Um, did you see what Dan Hooker was able to do to James Vick over the weekend? I, I did not see that one. I, of course, saw the result. But um, that's another one I didn't love that matchup for James Vick. Uh, right, Dan Hooker that. certainly has a lot of weapons, my man. And uh, I think he showed them uh, against a guy in James Vick who who is a dangerous guy himself. But I, I think his weaknesses are, are now being exposed repeatedly. And that's the problem in this game is once you show those vulnerabilities and those weaknesses, if you're not working hard to truly – uh, close those gaps, you are going to be in trouble because there's a lot of smart guys out there, coaches and fighters, who yep. are going to expose them eventually. Yep, as Paul Felder did, Dan Hooker went to the calf kick early, gave James yes. Vick a lot to think about, and then finished him upstairs. And And I don't want to sit here and say that Vick's chin is going necessarily, but I do believe even though this weight cut was great, cuts a lot of weight, I think he'd take a better shot at welterweight. And what better time to hit that career reset button 
than after you've lost three in a row. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see James Vick's next fight uh, in the welterweight division. I'm going to table Alexander Hernandez and Francisco Trinaldo because Ian Parker is very upset that he did not uh, have that Trinaldo underdog play go his way. I've got all the stats on that fight. We'll get into that with Ian. Just one final thing on the Greg Hardy-Juan Adams fight, and we will get to Dan Mergliata with Ian Parker. But in terms of the fight itself, Kenny, so early takedown defense holds up for Greg Hardy. Nasty shots with the ground and pound. They look legal to me right behind the ear. Juan Adams not moving enough, got worn by the referee, and then the fight's over. Uh, what were your thoughts on the stoppage? Juan Adams in all of this? Uh, you know, he obviously didn't handle himself with the utmost maturity after the fact, but you yeah. got to move, right? Like, you got to move if you want to stay in this fight. And uh, to me, he was idling too long, and, and he deserved to have the fight stopped. Uh, I agree. Listen, and when you're in that single, like you got to transition to the back or at least make some attempts as if you're going to turn the corner to attack the back of Greg Hardy in this instance. And he really wasn't doing that. The referee was telling him to move. I don't have a major problem with it. I, there were some big shots. I think Juan Adams was okay, though. But at the, at the end of the day, if you're not moving and the referee's telling you to move and be active, what can you do? What can right. you do? So I, I don't think there's a whole lot to complain about. Obviously, he was upset about uh, that decision by the ref, but um, it's not like he wasn't told. And I've heard from a lot of fans recently, especially after Jorge Masvidal knocked Ben Askren out in five seconds, when you have heightened anticipation for these fights, as we all did for Greg Hardy and Juan Adams, there was heat for that fight. Sometimes you feel shortchanged when it lasts 45 seconds and you just want to see more. So maybe the natural thing is to criticize the referee because it's a premature stoppage, right? I wanted to see how this fight was going to play out. I wanted to see if Juan Adams could extend Greg Hardy to see if Hardy's cardio has I gotten agree. any better. Could he stuff multiple shots, right? So I don't know, as a fan, sometimes you feel like a matchup leaves you wanting more. And of course, one thing Greg Hardy did acknowledge in our post-fight interview after the fact was if Juan Adams wants a rematch, he's happy to give it to him. So um, I thought that was nice that Greg Hardy was, was willing to do that. Uh, but we'll see for Juan Adams. Uh, he was unable to release the Kraken this weekend. All right, one final thought. And it's just sort of a career big picture thought on Andre Arlovsky. I know you didn't see the fight, but a unanimous decision winner over the King of Kenosha, Ben Rothwell. And I am just marveling at Andre Arlovsky's schedule and his chin and his ability to turn around a career that many people thought was over in 2011. And here we are seven years later, eight consecutive UFC heavyweight fights have gone the distance for him. He has been as active as any UFC heavyweight. He has now won more fights than any UFC heavyweight. And I'm starting to think, you know. This is, a, this is a pioneer era Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. He just continues to to get it done now, 30 fights into this UFC run, Kenny. And clearly uh, continuing to work hard as well because he, he's looking good. The, the, perhaps this isn't, you know, Andre Arlovsky in his physical prime, but I think he really has put to rest the idea that uh, his chin was completely gone and he should stop fighting. Um, I think Arlovsky has looked great. It's amazing what he has done this late in this uh, this late in his career. I think this is a rarity in this sport, uh, and the fact that he's been able to do this in the heavyweight division is very impressive. Awesome to see a good guy like Arlovsky uh, get it done here. And Rothwell felt like he was in great shape, and and I'm sure is massively disappointed with how it went over the weekend. But I think you you nailed it when it comes to the work ethic, the appetite for training. He just loves 
going to the gym. There are no negative emotions surrounding waking up at 6 a.m. to put in three and four days. And kept talking about the the spousal support he has. His wife is still allowing him to devote his life to this. His kids support this endeavor. So we'll see if he's got a run in him. I mean, obviously, yeah. this was a big fight for him. And uh, I still I still think it's going to be awfully tough against some of these guys in that heavyweight, you know, top 15. But uh Let's see if he had a number next to his name just before we move on very quickly. I don't believe that he did going in. Um, so, all right. Well, he will now. He yeah, should now I think anyway. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he fought Walt Harris back in the day. I'm not sure if that fight, you know, running that back makes some sense. But congratulations to a really good guy, Andre Arlovsky. All right. Let's do this pronunciation of the week before we make some picks. And we will extend the San Antonio conversation uh, with Ian Parker. Want to get to Dan Mergliata and, of course, Trinaldo and Alexander Hernandez, which a lot of people thought was a fight that could have and should have gone the other way. But TJ DeSantis is 4-7 and seven on the year. Big hit on Mario Bautista last week. Our fighter this week, TJ, one of Canada's best hopes for UFC glory, UFC featherweight. He fights newcomer Yoshinori Hori this weekend in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. He is 9-1-1 overall. Mean is his nickname, TJ DeSantis. Of whom am I speaking? Hakeem Dawadu. All right, let's hear him say it. Hakeem Dawadu. Hakeem Dawadu. Ken Flo, that works for me. What do you think? Uh, we'll give it to him. <laughs> we'll give it to him. That was well See, done, TJ. Right. See, Kenny's Kenny feels like you should have said Dow like Dowell instead of Dawadu, but that's a hit for me, TJ. Five and seven. I'm, Great I'm a, job. I'm, I'm, I'm start... not high-fiving him. I'm going to start calling Kenny Florian Saul D'Amato because his, his <laughs> judging's a little bit iffy. Well, I think last week he was pretty, if I'm not mistaken. He was I got cauliflower. I can't hear too good. That's it. Uh, you that, you yeah, hit the yeah. nail on the head. That's it. Yeah. This is going to alienate me with a lot of people. But, dude, I want cauliflower ears so badly. Someone was draw, drawing like a caricature of me, and I was like, can you give me a little cauliflower ear on that left ear? I saw somebody on the in, the Internet taking, like, two glass bottles and trying to give himself. I don't even know if it was Steve-O or whoever it was trying to give themselves cauliflower ear. But that's not the way I want it, right? I want it to happen with, like, Pahumpa on a jujitsu mat in my garage, putting in the time for five years and finally seeing that thing pop. But that's right. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, all right, TJ, crawling out of this hole, five and seven on the pronunciation of the week. Big one coming up this weekend. It is UFC 240, Holloway versus Edgar Rogers Place, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Prelims not on ESPN two. They're going to be on linear ESPN. Prelims on ESPN, 8 p.m. Eastern. Pay per view for UFC 240, Holloway versus Edgar. Five main card selections today. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right. The lead is gone, folks. I'm not going to bury the lead. The lead is gone. It was 94-89 going into UFC San Antonio. Ken Flo mops the floor with Ian Parker. 7-2. to the big hits, Leon Edwards by decision. Can you sense the dejection in my voice? Walt Harris by TKO. So Kemflo is down like 17 or 18 points uh, in April. Uh, Florian has wiped out the entire lead. It is 96 apiece heading into UFC 240 as we welcome in Ian Parker. A lot of swing fights, Ian, this weekend. Of course, chief among them for you. Your underdog play on Francisco Trinaldo did not come in. A lot of people thought he won the fight, did not get any judges scorecard in san antonio and and needless to say you're you're pretty pissed about that 
I think Alex Hernandez even felt that uh, Trinaldo won that fight, and I'm I'm 100% positive Kenny thought Francisco Trinaldo won that fight. Um, yeah, look, it, there wasn't a lot of output from either either guy, but if you had to pick between the two, Trinaldo definitely did more, landed more. Uh, I didn't think Hernandez really did anything, and the fact that it wasn't even a split decision win, I thought was absolutely um, kind of. It was just you got to feel for a guy like Trinaldo, 40 years old has been fighting, has been evolving, and to kind of get a win taken away from him right there, listen, when it goes to the judges, especially in some guy's hometown, it could happen, but I just thought that was complete bullshit. And, yeah, I uh, thought, what a, you know. I thought Trinaldo won the fight. I I wouldn't trot out a word like robbery, and I know you didn't, but I do agree with Trinaldo in terms of the career right now. He was supposed to fight Diego Fajeda on a pay-per-view in May. He, of course, he was originally supposed to fight Hernandez in January, so he finally gets his first start of the year and thought he did enough to win, but therein lies the rub. He didn't do anything, right? And here are the numbers. Alexander Hernandez, significant strikes, 25 of 91, 27%. Trinaldo, 25 of 52, 48%. Total strikes thrown, 55 for Trinaldo over 15 minutes, 92 for Alexander Hernandez. I know more damage was done by Trinaldo, uh, but this bout, this entire bout was just marred by inactivity. And I just feel like Trinaldo didn't do enough to be super upset, even though I would agree with you that he did deserve to win the fight. It's a, it's a tough I one. Think, Listen, this is how the sport goes. I'll, I will say that. And, you know, John, you, you, you said I, I mopped the floor with him, but I, I got to give uh, Ian credit because he makes a tremendous mop. So that's it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cool. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know what? Ian, come on. on this. No, you know what? Win or lose, <laughs> I know I'm going to get it on all angles, and I'm just going to start coming back really hot. So just to be prepared, <laughs> the minute there is a mopping on my end, there is going to be – a fucking ambush going on. You can't, you can't be worse than Twitter. I've seen it all. You can't be worse than Twitter. So I've seen it at all right now. I'm yeah. just, I'm so callous. Twitter is wrong. Point you. Yeah, I know. But you want to know something? Twitter, Twitter, listen, there, there is no winner in Twitter. And I will tell you, um, you know, people have been kind of nice to me with the show on Twitter for the most part, outside of a right. few guys that don't like to throw my name on tags. But I just, listen, it, and I, Kenny, you would know this. You, you yeah. practice hard. So the fight's easy. Yes. For me, this is the practice part because I just know you're going to fuck me up the minute I get on here if you mop the floor with me. So I know it's coming. I'm willing to take it. It's all good. That's what makes it fun, my man. All right. Guys, oh, upset sure, we're not, one. Guys yeah, upset we're not tagging him. How, Dude, post the show, dude. Get that social media going, kid. And Let's you can go. put your own handle in it. Let's so and, and the only Perfect. reason he's talking about the mop is because he saw you on that Instagram live on the Anakin Florian podcast account. And, uh, I mean, you appearance no, is certainly he was at a not. Wedding. He was at a wedding. Stop. He was at a wedding. Well, Come TJ on. saw it. TJ DeSantis saw it. And, uh, I mean, but the thing is, you're, you're worried about content, not appearance. And I respect that a lot. Yeah, John, we got to discuss this. TJ doesn't like me very much. I, um, I don't know what I did to him. But uh, he comes on the show. I'm waiting for you to get on. It's muted. And he tells someone on there that he likes it better when he doesn't hear my voice. I'm, uh, you know, there, there's an interesting feud going on between me and, uh, and Tej. I'm a little upset right now because I thought we were, we were becoming friends. It's not a feud. I just have good taste in human beings. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Unbelievable. TJ. Unbelievable. DeSantis don't play, wow. man. I'm telling you, you get TJ DeSantis West Coast on a Monday morning. It, 
It's a train of bullies because we bully TJ, then TJ bullies Ian. We need someone else so then Ian can bully them. You know, it just yeah. we just keep pushing it back. All right. And I just kissed it's an interesting, it's an interesting train right there. It's an interesting train. Um, so, all right, one more thing, Ian, that I want to get your thoughts on before we move along. So, Dan Mergliata, great human being. I think he's a very good referee as well. Um, but he's been in there for Dan Hardy's, excuse me. God, I knew I was going to do it. For Greg Hardy's last two fights, uh, he was at least in there for the Alan Crowder fight. And, of course, he was in there this weekend. So, much is being made of the video after this fight when Dan Mergliata, after raising Greg Hardy's hand, shakes his head in absolute disgust, either over the way Greg Hardy was acting about the win, Ian, if he was just upset with the way Greg Hardy was celebrating or dancing or not showing any humility. But you'll remember when Dan Mergliata DQ'd Alan Crowder, he said before Crowder decided whether or not he was going to continue, Mergliata said for the whole arena to hear, if that guy can't continue, I'm DQing that guy. And I thought that was unprofessional and I'd never seen it before. Usually a referee keeps his cards closer to the vest. And in this situation, I thought it was unprofessional Dan Mergliata to shake his head in disgust for the world to see. I, I feel like even though he did right by Hardy in the fight, and that's the first order of business, you know, he's letting his personal feelings be on, the, be on display here for, for the world to see, Ian. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not, you're not wrong. I think in a situation, listen, everyone knows that Hardy's background. No one's condoning it. Even the people that are training him and supporting him, like a guy like Dean Thomas, everyone right. in the MMA community loves Dean, and Dean is behind Greg. Listen, the guys in the sport, you don't have to like him. You don't have to accept him. But we, we can't change um, what has happened in the past and him fighting in the cage. Obviously, I don't condone what he did. Has he, you know, but listen, he goes in there, he performs. And when a guy like Big Dan is in the cage and his job there is really just to protect everyone, raise the hand at the end, I just, you know, at first I kind of laughed because I thought he was joking. Like, oh, my God, right. this guy's doing right. that stupid Fortnite dance, whatever right. it was. Right. But then reading more and more how he actually does have true disdain towards the guy, I, I, it is unprofessional. You got you have to turn it off. You're being paid not to give your opinion, not to yeah. show something one way or the other. And if the guy wins by knockout, you know, regardless, raise the guy's hand, put together. Because honestly, if I was him, I would have been more disgusted at the way Juan Adams acted afterwards, you know, right. as opposed to Greg Hardy right. celebrating. So, yeah, that part's got to change a little bit. Someone's got to say something to Dan. Because guess what? I have a feeling they're putting him in there for a reason, and he's got to keep his composure. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but I think you, that's that's true, too. I mean, Juan, Juan Adams is very remorseful about the way he acted uh, after the fact. All right, we got to move on. UFC 240 coming up this weekend. First fight for us on the main card at middleweight. Chris Jotko out of Poland, minus 165, taking on Marc-Andre Barrio, who is plus 135. Jotko snapping a three-fight skid with a big win on 420. Barrio dropped his UFC debut to Andrew Sanchez, May 4th in Ottawa. Ian Parker, Jotko or Barrio for you? Um, I'm actually surprised at this line. I thought Jotko would have been at least a minus 225. Barrio's uh, performance against Sanchez just exposed him in every way, shape, or form. He's just a wild power puncher, you know, with those, with those hooks coming in fast. And I thought Sanchez actually should have finished that fight earlier on but he whether he got tired or you know I know they trained together in the past excuse me I just think that Jocko's last performance showed his bounce back I think he's got way more tools and if Jocko you know he's more technical striker he's a little bit more conservative and I just kind of like where he's been throughout his career he's fought definitely higher level competition 
And he's got a ground game if he wants to take it there and doesn't want to risk getting at a slugfest. So right now I believe Jocko at minus 165. If I'm correct, I like Jocko here. Yeah, I think that price on Jocko is relatively short. Uh, Ken Flo, Barrio, 11 and 2, 8 wins by knockout. At one point, Jotko, who kicks like a mule, had five consecutive wins in this middleweight division. What do you think about Jotko against Barrio here? Yeah, listen, I, and I think Jotko definitely needs to go back to kicking the legs here against Barrio. And uh, I, I like his chances. I think Ian did a great job of summarizing this whole fight. Uh, Jotko uh, for the win for me. All right, a couple plays there on Chris Jotko. We'll see if that price stays in that minus 165 range. Next up, lightweight division. Armand Sarukyan, minus 230. Olivier Aubameyang, plus 190. Sarukyan, 22-year-old Georgian kid. A lot of hype behind him. Former Pancration world champion. Five knockouts, five subs. Dropped his debut against the very tough Islam Makhachev. That was back in April. Ian Parker, your thoughts on Sarukyan against Olivier Aubameyang? This this is, is, um, I think it's a lot harder than people are going to realize just because of the experience level. I think Armand's performance against Islam that last fight was actually really impressive, even though he lost. He gave Islam way more trouble than expected, especially on the ground. And, you know, everyone expected Islam to go in there against a newcomer, dominate, you know, and he just didn't dominate. Um, Armand gave him a lot of trouble, and it was really impressive. The only thing that kind of concerns me here is even though OAM has been on the, what is it, back-to-back losses and he hasn't been as impressive, he still has fought higher-level competition. Um, and I, I, this is where I'm, I'm again, I, I don't blame them for having Armand be the favorite on a betting side of it. I think him being minus 200, I believe, is a little aggressive because of the lack of experience. But I do think he has the tools to win this. Um, Mercier striking has not really evolved all that much. I think he has, what, one finish in his career. It was a uh, was it a body kick against Evan Dunham, if I'm correct? Yeah. So I'm going to go based on the last performances here, and I like Armand as a rising star in that division, or maybe not star, but a really good prospect, and uh, I'd like to see him win this one. So I'm going to go oh, with Armand. And I think the odds makers uh, certainly have him on their radar. Ken Flo, you, did you ever train with Obama Mercier, or was he after your time? Um, I, I think we, we wrestled a little bit at the Montreal Wrestling Club. Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't think we spent too much time uh, actually training, uh, if if at all, at uh, TriStar. Strong guy, UFC yes. tested. I still think he can make a run, but Kenny, all of a sudden, after winning seven of eight, to Ian's point, he has dropped two in a row as the tests have gotten tougher uh, against Alexander Hernandez and Gilbert Durinho Burns. Your thoughts on the Canadian OAM here against Armand Sarukyan? This is a great fight. This is good matchmaking. Uh, listen, I think that OAM has faced some really tough matchups. I didn't love those matchups uh, for him in his last couple fights. Um, I don't necessarily love this one here against Armand. I, I think he definitely has a lot more experience uh, than Armand. He's faced a lot tougher competition than Armand, as Ian said. Uh, but this is a very dangerous guy and a very good young fighter uh, and Sarukian. So I, I think that... Um, this is a guy who continues to get better. He, I think he learned a lot from that last fight, um, and I think he's going to be coming back with a vengeance. It's going to be tough to beat him. I, I got Armand in this one, probably by decision. All right, a couple plays on the favorite there. We are in agreement so far. Next up, featured bout at welterweight. This is going to be fun as long as it lasts. The wild man, Nico Price, big underdog here, plus 310 against Jeff Neal, the Fortis MMA product, who is minus 380. Ken Flo, we will let you lead us here. Jeff Neal or Nico Price? 
This is an interesting one. Nico Price, just huge for the division. Uh, yeah. And I think he's a guy who hits very hard. But Jeff Neal is the more technical guy. But how many times have we seen Nico Price go out and defeat the more technical fighter? He's a high-pressure guy. And if you're not used to that kind of pressure and that kind of length and size, uh, you are going to be in trouble. Um, I think Jeff Neal will be ready for it. I like his composure in, in a lot of his fights. Um, I think he's very technical. I don't see a whole lot of holes in his game. I think he's the cleaner striker, no doubt about that. I think... Um, you know, he's he's probably a little bit better on the ground. Nico might be a little bit more dangerous with his submissions, but uh, I think that Jeff Neal uh, should be able to to win this here against Price. I got Jeff. Ian Parker, Jeff Neal, big favorite here, obviously. You knew he'd be favored, even if maybe priced a little higher than I expected. He's 3-0 yeah. in the UFC. He's won five straight overall. overall. I think Safe Saud would probably put this guy up if you asked him which fighter he has who is closest to competing for a UFC world title. Nico Price, though, tricky proposition, right? He don't give a fuck. He's never seen a third round in the UFC, eight UFC appearances, one, three of four, all stoppages, obviously. Uh, big win over Tim Means as an underdog in Wichita March 9th. What do you think, Parker? Any shot for Nico Price this weekend? Well, with his style, there's always a shot because with him, it's knockout or get knocked out. The, you know, the problem is, though, and Kenny, as you give me credit, I love to give you credit as well, Kenny hit it on the head that, Jeffrey Neal is the more technical fighter here. I think he's the, especially technical and striking. Um, I think he's a better athlete too. And he's just showing a little bit more, you know, I guess he just has a more well-rounded game and his composure is there. I think if Nico, the problem is with Nico, he never uses his size in these fights. He just goes in, he just goes for it, you know, and he's obviously got the power. Um, I just don't agree with Neal's. Again, the line is a little high, a yeah. lot high for value purposes. Um, in the minus 300s for a guy that's 3-0, and you know, again, Nico has fought better competition, but I think Neil just kind of has that it factor a little bit, and I think if Nico goes in with that mentality of knocked out or get knocked out, I think he's going to get KO'd, or I think Neil is smart enough to take it to the ground and avoid getting subbed, so I also have Jeffrey Neal in this fight. And maybe people would like Jeff Neal in a knockout proposition situation, but yeah, minus 380 uh, is a steep price to pay for sure, especially Fucking against wild, a wild yeah. man and a wild card like Nico Price. All right, co-main event, the former UFC women's featherweight champion Chris Cyborg, minus 850 against Felicia Spencer, who comes back at plus 650. Ian, we will need the round and the method of victory here. Do you see any value on uh, Felicia Spencer whatsoever? I absolutely do not, unfortunately. I, I Listen, I'm, I was um, impressed with her IQ against Megan Anderson because, you know, Megan is a good striker, but on the ground, tough, not there yet. And Felicia Spencer's, you know, her, her stuff is her ground game. Uh, against Cyborg, though, I, I just don't see where she's better anywhere. I don't think she's going to be able to get Cyborg down. She's not going to outstrike her. She's not going to physically be able to outmaneuver her. And I think, you know, Cyborg, listen, she's just mentally so tough as well. Talk about someone who was humble in defeat and the way she went down. She gets back up the next day. From what I've heard, she's as positive as can be training. Uh, you know, listen, again, laying the lineup, what is she, minus 680 right now or something like that? Um, that that's also a tough, you know, I, I think she's going to win regardless. It's just, um, I mean, I think she wins first round TKO, to be honest. I don't think anyone else beats her in the UFC outside of an Amanda Nunez. So I, I see zero value on Felicia Spencer. If you're up, and you're flawless on the night, and you want to roll the dice, sure, but you might as well just send money to the show and advertise uh, because you're just flushing money down the toilet. So 
Cyborg round one TKO. TJ, I believe you called Felicia Spencer's first six pro fights. You got anything for me on Spencer going into the weekend? Uh, it's a tough fight for her. Um, she's got a <laughs> good ground game. Uh, if she can get it there, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, tough fight for her. All right. Kenflo, uh, Cyborg for you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, listen, I, I'm going to go with Cyborg. Um, I, just to be different than Ian, I guess I'll go second round. Uh, TKO, but I think Chris just has way too much power and speed on the feet. Um, I agree, you know, if she's able to get it to the ground, especially if she gets on top, I think things get interesting, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Chris Cyborg just too too big and strong, uh, going with Cyborg by TKO round two. And many expect Cyborg will be at her focused best after, of course, what happened against Amanda Nunes last December. Spencer, 7-0, 28 years old. Likely to get a title shot against Amanda Nunes at 145 pounds if she upsets Chris Cyborg because the other challengers are at Bantamweight, Jermaine Durandamy, Ketlin Vieta, and Nunes, of course, has said that she wants to fight and defend that featherweight belt next. Probably going to be Cyborg or Spencer. The odds makers say it will be Chris Cyborg. All right. Main event, undisputed featherweight championship, Max Holloway, minus 385 in defense of his title, Frankie Edgar, plus 315. Betting line has moved, so money seemingly coming in on Max Holloway. Of course, under our scoring system, you get an extra three points for an Edgar win, but that would mean a featherweight loss for Max Holloway for the first time since 2013. Ian Parker, your thoughts on Holloway-Edgar and who wins the main event in Edmonton? Um, I mean, I'm excited to watch this fight, even though I don't necessarily think this should be the title fight that's occurring. I do think Volkanowski should have been the guy, but I'm a big Frankie fan, so I'm glad he's getting that probably that one last shot at glory for the title. I think this is a tough fight for him, though. I think if people are looking at Max losing to Dustin, you're, you're in a different universe. That's not where you should be looking because that's not really the division. It's proven that Max should really be. Uh, Max's power did not transition, and taking the shots did not transition. However, at 45, it does. Um, his cardio is there. He's going to be way longer, have that reach advantage. You know, Frankie might be able to get Max down on his back, maybe, but Max's takedown defense is so, so good. Um, if Frankie is to win, it's, he's got to get on top and grind it out for five rounds. And I just don't see that happening. I think Max Holloway's Holloway's going to win this fight. How he's going to win. It's got to either be a late, late fourth round finish or a decision. I'm going to play it safe just because Frankie's so resilient and his cardio is top notch too. I'm going to say Max Holloway by unanimous decision, and he's going to retain the belt where they go after that with him. Alexander the great. Yep. No, I think that makes sense. All right, Max Holloway, by unanimous decision, the official play for Ian Parker. Ken Flo, with respect to Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, there's no UFC featherweight resume that touches Max Holloway's 16 featherweight wins, 13 in a row. Of course, moved up to lightweight against Dustin Poirier in April, came up short. Brutal fight. Here he is three months and two weeks later against another future Hall of Famer, Frankie Edgar, 25th. UFC appearance for Edgar first though since that win over Cub Swanson it was back in April of 2018 and of course came just 49 days after he was knocked out by Brian T. City Ortega all right Ken Flo handicap Frankie Edgar's chances and ultimately give us the pick to click well listen you know I I think Max Holloway uh is the more diverse striker Uh, I I think that he can do a lot of things on his feet and his frame uh is going to can definitely pose a lot of problems for Frankie Edgar. Uh, I do agree with you. When we're talking about Max Holloway, we're talking about uh, the greatest featherweight of all time, just based on what he did and how he was able to defeat Jose Aldo twice by finish. 
Um, but he definitely has a very different skill set uh, than a Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo had some tremendous takedown defense. I think Max Holloway hasn't faced the same caliber of wrestler uh, that Jose Aldo has. And I think Frank Edgar is the first true test when it comes to wrestling that Max Holloway has faced. Yeah. Uh, Frank Edgar is also bringing in with him a tremendous amount of experience. Max Holloway is... Uh, you know, it is one of many guys who have been bigger than Frankie Edgar. We can't forget that Frankie Edgar won the belt at 155 pounds and had some success taking down even a huge guy and a four-time All-American wrestler like Gray Maynard. So um, I am actually going to go with an underdog pick. Um, I think Frankie, Frankie Edgar gets it done by decision against Max Holloway. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a dominant performance necessarily, but Frankie Edgar will find a way to win. I think there's a reason why Frankie has been asking for this specific fight for a long time. I like the way he matches up against Max Holloway. Uh, Max, a tremendous fighter, but um, I think him coming off a loss, uh, Frankie coming in pretty fresh, being away for a little while, I yeah. think the, the stars are aligning here. I think you set it up beautifully in terms of making a case for Frankie Edgar, and there are some circumstances that I think are in his favor Daunting task, obviously, yes, against Max is. Holloway, and obviously it's not going to be easy, but one of the last things you said, Kenny, was that he's wanted this fight because he really likes the matchup stylistically, yep. right? And of course it doesn't help that, or doesn't hurt that, that Holloway's the undisputed champion, but Edgar likes the matchup. We will see how it goes for him. Uh, Ian Parker, anything else before we let you fly, kid? No, listen, I, I, I'm really looking forward. I think, Kenny, you made a really good argument for Frankie. I just don't see it happening. I think Max is just Max is just a different demon in this division, and I think Frankie knows that uh, because of the way the division was, this is really his last shot. But no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, coming in on Monday, regaining the lead, coming after you, <laughs> coming coming after TJ even worse, giving John a high five in Boca, and um, <laughs> that'll be it. You know, and that, that will just, that'll just be my weekend, you know? So, uh, yeah. Kenny, right, are you going to do Instagram Live this week, or you got some other uh, fake wedding to I'm, go to? I'm de- <laughs> I am down, my man. Definitely. Yeah, the, awesome. uh, the the three of us will try to go live on Instagram at some point on show day, Saturday, uh, July 27th. All right, Ian, have a good week. I'll see you at uh, I'll see you at the Jewish Community Center pickup later today, Kit. <laughs> Carline is where it's at. Kenny, TJ, you're not invited. See you guys later. All right, there he is, Ian Parker. You know, one thing I do like about Ian Parker, Ken Flo, is that he – He's he's brief. He's concise, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't go too long on these picks. And I think you can alienate a lot of people when you're giving them 90 seconds when they want 45. So disagreement on the main event. Uh, you guys agree with four favorites previously. All right, we got to get out of here. Big one coming up in Edmonton, obviously, this weekend. And we're right back with you on Monday to break it all down. And then we'll get you ready for Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler coming up August 3rd, Newark, New Jersey on ESPN. We'll see you all on pay-per-view this weekend. This has been a TJ DeSantis production for Ken Flo. I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. Keep subscribing. Tell your friends. Have a great week. Don't text and drive. You'll later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for pro- Private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus and wagering week 
is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.